Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome. What, mate? Thank you. Uh, I'm alright. Welcome to episode fourteen <laughs> of Talking Tech with Jake and Tim. Uh, so I guess we'll uh, roll the intro. Welcome back to uh, Talking Tech with Jake and Tim. Uh, so I guess we'll jump right into it with the title of uh, of this, and that is uh, Linux has made it to Mars. So if you uh, did not see, uh, I it's the it's the Curiosity. rover rover oh, sorry, perseverance uh, has landed Curiosity on Mars. Point. And apparently, I believe I heard it went like perfectly. Like there was it was no, I watched it. No it issues. Very well. No issues. Um, and so yeah, you could watch it pretty much everywhere. Um, mm -hmm. And so let's see. Um, so it's it runs. So the rover runs Linux, mm -hmm. um, which which makes sense. I mean, yeah. I mean the 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 nice part about linux is it's very uh, open it's open source um so you can you know you can effectively alter change anything you want to it can fit your every need so long as you know how to, to yeah, use it yeah exactly unlike windows and especially apple which are both very fairly rigid operating systems you know they they are uh, they don't they don't change a whole lot in the in the end user yeah, um, but yeah. So Linux has made it to Mars before any of us. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking, just a quick one, not on the list, but uh, apparently I saw something that said so Chrome OS, I believe, has just taken over Mac OS uh, in market share. It, or something like that. Yeah. It 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 took the lead in Mac OS uh, in market share. Yeah, over so, Mac. Yeah. Interestingly, uh, Windows just which came down. Yeah. So so initially you'd be like, oh, Apple's losing market share. Actually, they still gained market share. They still yeah. grew uh, in these in these you know new numbers. I forget whether it was quarterly or annually or whatever. But uh, in this survey, uh, uh, Chrome OS and Mac OS both grew and Windows decreased by, like, 8% or something. Like, it was pretty, pretty drastic. Yeah. Uh, decrease. Um, I mean, I don't feel strongly one way or another. I'm not a fan of Chrome OS, but I understand that it makes sense for a lot of people. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not what I would want, and it's not what I need, but, you know, the, the, the simplicity and the cost just makes sense for a lot of people. Yeah. So, I get that. Um, and, and, you know, Mac OS is like, I've talked about this before, but it's ingrained in society now. Like it's just a cultural thing at this point. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of windows, but 80, I think they were at like 88 or 87% market share. That's, that's a little high. I always like to see a little more competition than that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was just a quick one. Uh, next, uh, and this one's uh, I find this will be the majority. This is going to be a big portion of the episode here. Yeah, uh, is talking about uh, Nvidia's new announcement. I think they made it. I believe it was yesterday. Uh, I think it was yesterday. Yeah, that said that uh, they are now putting on. I believe it's through the drivers as well as like um, on the newer cards through the actual cards BIOS. They're putting on a lock. Uh, so that way, you, because they're releasing a new line of uh, graphics cards that are specifically for mining, and so they're putting a lock on these so-called gaming ones. Um, so, like, you, all right, it'll be much more difficult. There's a lot to unpack here, so I'm going to preface this by giving you a little bit of history. Uh, and I w actually, I want to preface all of this by saying, um, 
you know, this is a live stream. It's it's kind of stream of consciousness talk. Linus Tech Tips made an excellent video on this like four hours ago. Wait, he uh, did? Oh. oh, yeah, I he did. I didn't watch that yet. I saw it's, that. Uh, I did, and it's very well put together, and it's it shares it's a lot the, of the, the quick tech-linked episode. It shares a lot of the thoughts I have on this. So, basically, so here, here's here's your history lesson. So, back in, <clears throat> we're going all the way back to the 10 series, which was on the, I've already forgotten, Pascal architecture. Uh, so that was like 2016 they came out in, but really it kicked up in like 2017, when Bitcoin gained a whole bunch of popularity and it gained a whole bunch of, uh, you know, the price went up. Uh, and so now, cryptocurrency mining was this huge industry, and the easiest way to do it would be to put together mining rigs. You would just take a whole bunch of graphics card, slap them in a system, and say, all right, go work and, you know, go get me Bitcoin. Uh, or you Ethereum, or whatever. Cards. You do, you talk to them. It's the, it's the most efficient way. But anyway, um, and because there wasn't as much of a silicon, uh, like, like uh, silicon, what's it called, when you don't have any nice. shortage, you thank you, silicon. you're really helping me out here, silicon shortage, because it wasn't a silicon shortage back then, it wasn't a huge deal. That said... There were a number of cards that were specifically made for crypto mining that were functionally the exact same as their gaming counterparts. Uh, the only difference was they had a software, uh, I think it was a software lock, I'm not sure it was BIOS, and they didn't have any sort of display. No HDMI, no display port, I don't even think they had like a DVI or a VGA. The idea being, all you need this to do is comp is to communicate with the CPU, and then you use like onboard graphics or whatever just to configure the system because you don't need a display. Yeah. Uh, the issue with that is that now you have a whole whack ton of e-waste, and you know besides miners, effectively these GPUs are gone. By the way, miners miners are not Minecraft players. They are not Minecraft players. They are people who put together these rigs and run them for money. Um, so, so we saw when the 20 series came out, you had a whole bunch of people... Uh, and right when the 20 series came out, there was also a, a Bitcoin cryptocurrency crash. And so now, nobody really wanted to mine. And so there were all... The, 20 series wasn't a compelling upgrade, and in addition to that, everybody who wasn't using mining-specific cards, who just used regular off-the-shelf gaming cards, which were just as good at mining, uh, so if, you know, they essentially sold them. They said, we can make more money just by selling these on eBay or Craigslist or whatever for than continuing price. to mine. For a discounted price. Obviously, you're not going to sell them at full market price. So they flooded the market with, I think, 1070s were the most common uh, because of the price to performance when it comes to crypto, 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 not gaming. Um, so you had like a whole bunch of 1070s, a good number of 1080s and 1080ti's, whole whack ton of 1060s, and then you know, in comparison, there were I think fewer 1050 and 1050ti's. But the point is, Nvidia has seen now that when they make these, you know, when these crypto cards... So, what NVIDIA learned from this was twofold. One, when you make crypto-specific cards and sell them for what is a very low markup, they're, they're, they're a little cheaper than your average gaming card, uh, because, one, there's a fewer number of people who are mining, and two, they only have one use, so they're not really great on, like, a resale market, so... Uh, there's there's not a whole lot of profit to be gained there. Um, they so they learned that they can market these crypto cards very well when crypto is doing well, and they also learned that where was I going with this? I forget what my second point was. <laughs> Moral of the story is this happened before, and now the crypto is going back up again. Nvidia says, "Let's do what we did last time. Let's." make these mining cards. Now, there's a couple issues with this. The biggest one is that there is 
virtually no silicon out there. There's so silicon is what you would need to make the chips that go in a graphics card. Gamers can't get their graphics cards first. And it, in NVIDIA's eyes, they NVIDIA's marketing, they try and cater towards gamers first. Like, oh, we're a gaming brand. Uh, and Linus does a great job of explaining this. Uh, no, they're not. They are a company. Companies exist to make money. They are just trying to make money off of you. So by by creating this whole new market for crypto, they can now extend their market share and jack up keep prices high. Essentially, is what they're trying to do. So the immediate backlash that they saw was going to come and still is coming. I'll explain why in a little bit. Is that if they're making these crypto-specific cards that gamers can't use, there's going to be less silicon for the already minute supply of gaming cards. Can't get a gaming card, and now some of the the very very small amount of stock that could have been could have become gaming cards is now becoming these crypto cards that we don't really want. They decided to counteract this by one releasing a blog. I think it was a blog or a press statement that said, "Hey, look, we promise." This isn't going to impact existing GPU like like it, it, this isn't going to impact uh, GPU sales at all for for gamers. This isn't going to impact the number of great gaming graphics cards we can produce. And to be sure of that, we're going to institute this new BIOS or firmware, whatever it is. It's uh, sorry, BIOS or software lock on their gaming cards that make them only work. Basically, it takes whatever your 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 mining capacity would be how well, how many ex, yeah, how many very you know variables you can execute in a, you know a certain amount of time, and it has it. So you effectively get fifty percent of the profits if you're using a gaming card. Uh, the issue with this is that that's not really going to deter miners because it, there is almost certainly going to be a way to get around it. Um, they they tried something kind of similar with the ten series, and literally within like two weeks, they figured out a way around it. Um, so it's it's not a good solution. There's one other thing that you could I could go into right now, and that's the issue of this producing e-waste, because these GPUs are, like I said, after the mining crazes died down, they're not really good for anything. Uh, but I don't really feel like I need to go into that. I, I just recommend you watch the LTT video. He does a much better job of it, that, explaining all this. Uh, and he goes into the e-waste issue a lot more. But this is just dumb. NVIDIA is trying to pretend like they're on our side, and they most certainly aren't. They're just trying to make money. And it's kind of scummy. Yeah. Bad move, NVIDIA. I'm not happy. Well, you heard it here, folks. Tim is not happy. You heard that. Um, alright, so, let's see. Mm -mm. Uh, here's a quick one. Uh, Comcast has yet again <laughs> delayed its data cap rollout to 12 states, and this time it's until 2022. Uh, so if you live in, uh, one of the last states where Comcast hasn't rolled out a data cap, uh, as I just said, uh, the 1.2 terabyte, uh, terabit data cap uh, is now pushing back until 2022. So, uh, if you were wondering, like I am, which states there yeah, are, yeah. it's Connecticut, Delaware, Massachusetts, Maryland, Maine, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, Vermont, West Virginia, and the District of Columbia, along with uh, some parts of North Carolina and Ohio. For Why some parts? I don't understand that. It just depends where their data centers are. Oh, true. All right. Um, so the reasoning for the delay, according to the announcement, uh, is that the company realizes that the data plan was for uh, its was new for its customers in the Northeast and wanted to provide them with more time to become familiar with the new plan. Uh, this isn't a courtesy the company extended to other states when it extended the data caps to them, apart from a couple. Uh, of uh, apart from one or two free um, overage months, um, but there also was not a global pandemic uh, during those rollouts. Um, I just think they should just not implement the data cap. How about that? I. I mean, we've talked about this before. 
Yeah. I would prefer to not have a data cap, but as I explained in other episodes, if it doesn't affect me, then I don't really care. And from the data I've seen on my household, that's not going to affect me in any meaningful way. So therefore, I don't really care. Yeah, the uh, main reason it's going to end up affecting me is because um, when I finish... Well, I'm going to have to do... When I finish, like, um, projects or whatever, um, like, I'm going to start uploading them to Google Drive. And so uh, those can be relatively large projects. Why are you uploading them to Google Drive? Is like, a cloud network As state? a cloud, like, backup. Um, yeah. Because I have my server, and then this will be a backup in case that... I was going to say, why wouldn't you just put it on a NAS? But yeah, no, I have a NAS, and this is exactly a backup, you, backup for that NAS. Um, yeah. so that that's that's one of the main reasons I'm a little little worried um, but. have you seen I you know they haven't implemented the, the fees and stuff but have you seen I think they've released data on how much data like your household uses have you seen yeah. that yeah we were we, we were notified that like we were like over it like like two days before the end of the month so okay. <laughs> back before they were gonna like delay it so you were close, is what you're saying. 2022. I mean, yeah, it doesn't sound like much is going to change. Yeah. Um, as far as your data usage, I can't think of why that would be. So maybe maybe online school, like the streaming. Yeah. Maybe over the course of a month, that'll bring it down enough. Maybe. We'll have to see. Um, next up, hold on. Um... Let's see if I can find it. I think it's this one. Yeah, this one, and then there's another one at the the top as well, Tim. I don't know if you saw the other one. I don't know what you're talking about. If you start talking about it, I'll find it. So this one, and then I'll scroll back. Got up it. So you can get the other one right here. Got it. You got both? Uh, no. I have one of them. Do you see where my... my th- okay, I have both. We're good. We're good. We're fine. We're chilling. Okay, um, so Android 12 developer preview is now available uh, with many under the hood updates, as uh, this article says. Um, so it, it, they released it for Pixel devices as of today, two days ago. Um, when the article was published, I guess. What? Is that when the article was published? Because yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It says today, but okay. it's two days ago, uh, February 18th, 2021. Uh, so, uh, for the n- normally uh, Google uh, very f- the very first previews of Android are uh, a, l- a lot of developers facing sh- changes. Uh, Android twelve has updates to how the OS handles images, uh, video, and future security updates. Um, it's also the norm for them uh, to hold some of the major UI changes in reserve for uh, its Google. I.O. conference typically held in May. Although this developer preview does include some changes to the UI for notifications, um, we don't know how closely uh, it will map to the leak uh, that we saw earlier in the month. Apparently there was a leak earlier in the month. Um, And so it's available for Pixel 3 and newer phones, but needs to be manually installed by flashing your device. It's likely uh, nowhere near ready for day-to-day use, but Google is promising that it will continue its beta test program for regular users later this year um so then another thing uh another article as well um saying that stacked widgets and a new look for the lock screen may be coming um to android 12 um so there were the leaks uh, and then googly yeah i said before googly uh just uh really officially released the developer preview um, and so people were digging through it um, and have made many discoveries uh, that the UI changes uh, may be on the way. So first thing uh, is stacked widgets, which is, uh, if you have an iOS device, um, I, I think it's pretty cool, especially the ones, there's one where it will actually cycle through them throughout the day depending on like what you have. So if you have a calendar event coming up, it'll cycle to that one uh, when like your phone's off. Um, and so, and then you can also scroll through widgets as well. Um, and so it sounds like they're bringing that to, um, Android, how the turns have tabled. Um, and so, uh, 
yeah, so that's one of the features. Um, and then, I, I th mm, is there anything else? Uh, there's apparently a new lock screen um, and a new always on display with larger text um, that's stacked with the hours on top of minutes on the new lock screen. It floats to the right when notifications come in and the always on display shows a new placement of notification icons in the upper left of the screen. Um, so it's hard to know. This says uh, if these UI changes will look like uh, this is what they look like in their final form, or if they're gonna change it um, as uh, for the like the next beta and the official um, version. Um, but it, it looks looks pretty interesting. Um, I'm not not the biggest fan of the way it looks. Um, I I'm not I don't really like. Uh, it in the middle. I do like um, when it's on the right. There's a, this excellent tweak uh, which you guys can check out if you check out my videos uh, called Jellyfish, uh, and it actually puts the time to the right um, with the date and stuff. I don't really like how they have the numbers in this. I'm not a huge fan of this look, um, but that Jellyfish tweak. Uh, All I want to know is what's wrong with putting numbers in like their normal order. Uh, so, uh, Jake, have you, uh, I don't know if you, you've shown them what the perspective, shown the viewers what the, uh, what the possible new lock screen tweak looks like. I did not. But basically it has the hours stacked above yeah, the, the minutes. minutes. Yeah. And that is stupid. Why wouldn't you just put the hour, and it's, it's something to note, is it's not just like, like on some, I know on some like smartwatches it has like, oh, here's, you know, here's the hour here, and then the minutes are like, in the same line below it, uh, that I can forgive yeah. because it's like a usually I've seen it on if, Apple Watch. If it's a smaller or, screen, like this is a smaller sense. screen, and you just it it makes sense. You can maximize your real estate. Okay, I can understand that. I it wouldn't bother me. I don't think like it's not inconvenient. It's just like we, it looks for so reason. Odd. Yeah, yeah. Like why? Why would you do it in that? Like, <laughs> In that tweak, Jellyfish, um, I really like it because it, it puts the entire time in one line, and then below it, it puts the date. So, like, so, the way Apple has it. Like, that's one, the Apple, I... Yeah, kind of like, like this. It's kind of like, it's, it's like this, but uh, yeah. the time is off. It's, like, off to the right, and the, the date's a bit bigger. Okay, like, I don't... I criticize Apple a lot for what I consider needless innovation, things like getting rid of the home button. There wasn't really a need for that at the time. I like uh, getting it. rid of the headphone jack definitely wasn't not, a need. Not for a that. need. Not a need. Um, like stuff, so, like stuff like that. Like uh, they just sort of getting rid of the charging port. Yeah, they'll change something and coming make soon. A, coming soon to areas near you in the fall. And then they'll make up a reason for it, and that's stupid. And I feel like. In a much milder case, this is what this this new Android feature is on the on the exactly. watch. Right? I, I think we should change how the hour looks, and then they're like, because it's new. <laughs> yeah. like, there's no good reason. It all comes down to it, you know, if if it ain't broke, why fix it? So I was just watching a video. I don't know if you know the channel Zone of Tech. No, I don't. Okay. Know. Uh, well, he's a channel, and um, he. He 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 made a video describing um, what's happened to Apple, and so he, he I, I liked the way he did this. So he said from like I think it was like early two thousands to like two thousand twelve was like the innovation era where they came out with like the iPods, uh, the iPod, iPhone, iPad, MacBook, iPad, MacBook Air, like all that. Air was a big one. The redesign from the four to the five. Yeah, they they kept. It was like they kept redesigning stuff. Like every. Yeah, iPod Nano. That was big. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they kept redesigning stuff like every. Then they took it from 2012 to about 2019, 2020. Which was the um, the minor updates, just strengthening what we're doing. Like, like basically not an update. We're, we're always we're always right. Just making like strange changes. Uh, yeah. I forget. I forget what he called it. And then from two thousand and nineteen or two thousand twenty to 
like present day and it will probably be another couple of years apple is now like listening to everyone and like you they're like they're uh, they're about to redesign the Mac. Um, they're going to bring back MagSafe, which everyone liked. They're going to bring uh-huh. bring back the SD card reader on the MacBook Pro. They're adding 120 hertz and some other stuff, and and they removed the butterfly keyboard. They're starting to like listen and that stuff. And I thought uh, that was really right. And I think they're going to then keep cycling <laughs> through that. And so I think the next era uh, in a couple of years will then be the innovation era. But I did not really like the previous era where they like just kept removing stuff. And I think that's what uh, Android's maybe going to fall into. I would love it if I believed that. But here's the thing. Apple, Apple removes stuff to make it new and exciting. And Apple adds stuff back when they remove too much and it starts impacting their sales. They changed the butterfly keyboard, not because they honestly believed it was a bad keyboard, but because people said, why would I get this garbage new laptop with this garbage computer when I can just get an old one that's... I'm pretty sure this guy, I'm pretty sure the guy from Zone of Tech, like, went through and, like, looked at, like, their sales and stuff like that. I don't think it was actually because of, uh, that. I think they just actually started to listen to people. (laughs) So here's the thing, is that Apple is no different than NVIDIA. Apple doesn't view you as a valuable customer. Apple doesn't care what you want. Apple cares what you will pay for. And what you will pay a lot for. And they know that they can get away with almost anything. Because unlike NVIDIA, they're just such a part of a culture. Everybody thinks, when they think about a phone, one of the first things they think of is an iPhone. Everybody immediately jumps to, like, MacBooks. Everybody, you know, um, a lot of schools use... um, Max as their computers like it's just something we're surrounded by now growing up it's ingrained in us that apple is the pinnacle of technology for almost anything that is true so you people are willing to pay a lot a yeah. lot a lot and not only that it's a status symbol too having all apple stuff getting remember when airpods first came out that was the coolest thing is if you had airpods you were rich you had money like it's the same you were that kid you had money <laughs> You stayed up until like one in the morning to get an iPhone 10. Yes, because that was who you were. Too. It's a status thing. It's it. You people will pay almost any, and I'm guilty of it. I like iPhones way better than the competitors. I will pay absurd amount. You you used to have Beats. I still have my Beats. You still have Beats. Yeah. Beats are Beats are the same thing. Even before Apple bought Beats, they were the same thing. It's just a nice. It's a good headphone in a well-valued, a, a respected brand that has a... Oh, Powerbeats? You have the Powerbeats now? Yeah, the Powerbeats. Oh, those are... Oh, oh, yeah, sorry. I, I had Solo 3s. Yeah. I had a pair of Solo 3s, which I loved, and then they broke. Uh, and now I have a pair of Powerbeats, which I love, and they have not broken yet. Um, and same thing. It, they're... To be, people give Beats a lot of criticism. They're good headphones. They are. Uh, they completely the deserve the criticism the that they're just overpriced totally the fair you're paying the, for the brand name at that point although the they used to I'm, I'm pretty sure they used to like not be overpriced the whole purpose of them was to make like cool looking headphones um, yeah, yeah, yeah. that were like mid-range and then once apple bought them they kind of wanted to transition it to that they've always been high end they've always been high end they they when they first launched they didn't know how far they could push this brand and then it gained uh, they gained traction and gained footing. People like because I thought their whole thing was that they like, were like, was, they were they were mid range, but they like looked really cool and stuff like that. I mean, they're not gonna when they launched. They weren't gonna run you like a, a nice pair of studio headphones. Uh, and they still like they still are even even dollars. Yeah, it was like one hundred and fifty bucks for a nice pair of like wired. Yeah. Well, the wired ones were less. The wired ones were like one twenty five. Uh, I mean, the wireless were like one hundred and fifty to two hundred. Um, and that's, that's, for, you know, for a pair of headphones, especially for the wired ones, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot to blow on a pair of headphones, but it's not, it's not, th- their whole marketing thing was like, and it's, it's what Apple tried to do with the AirPods Max, which is why they're trying to dissolve Beats now, yeah. is because they're trying to essentially just fold that market share into their brand, is the, the idea is it's studio quality head, like, a studio quality sound in a high-end consumer price range. Should I buy them? So, I was thinking about maybe buying them. The AirPods Max? 
I will beat you over the head with the solid block of aluminum that is the ear cups. I mean, that is just a total waste of money. I don't know. We'll have to see. If they come out with another, another next You'd be better off putting that into crypto, which I'm sure is going to crash. <laughs> but at least you can pull something out of the crypto. Um, Why would I buy crypto? You got mine. <laughs> I don't mind. Please don't mind. Um, I anyway. may. I may. We'll see. I, I mean, it's one thing if you... Have you released the palette video yet? And am I allowed to say what's what's in it? Or no, but but okay. I did recently. And I, get, I got a box, um, uh, a random box. I was always going to talk about. Yeah, there's just a random box. Of, it wasn't even supposed to be in there, but the guy just sent me a random box of graphics cards, and I have like four 1060s or five 1060s that and I it think seems were like you were mining cards. mining cards. Yeah, so I could just put them uh, back in and just like. Yeah, I mean, it's. Because here's the thing, is that it's one thing to set up, like, a, a dedicated mining rig and buy, like, 10 GPUs and then try to get them to pay themselves back over time, uh, because that is just... Nobody likes you at that point. You're, you're especially right now. Like if you're buying, trying to buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I have like I have like a whole box of like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for that, like, like I know a lot of people who like they'll have you know their Ethereum miners, and just when they go to bed, they'll put their computer on sleep and let it let it mine Ethereum. Like that's whatever. When you're not using it, you know, like it might as well make make a little extra dough there. So like if it's just that, who cares? And to your point, like, they're all 1060s, they're mining cards, nobody's gonna want them. It's better to put them to work than throw them Can in the Can I trap. interest you in a mining card 1060, Tim? <laughs> sure, you know what? How much? 40, I'll, I'll pay... 40, 50 dollars. <laughs> I'll give you 35. I'll think about it. I'll think about all right. it. Alright, we'll talk, we'll talk about this later. But wait, that's something, I would throw an extra... I'm using a mini ITX board right now, so I'm going to yeah. Yeah, spot. Um, I'll throw an extra mining card in there and just let it run at night, you know? Because, like, yeah. why not? Um, yeah, I mean, I forget where we started this at. Apple doesn't care about you. I think that was it. Yeah. And then it went into Beats. That was that was what I was talking about. Um, so Beats' this whole thing was studio quality sound at a high-end consumer price range. They definitely have the high-end consumer price range. I'm not convinced they have the studio quality sound. If you were really thinking about getting a pair of studio headphones, you probably weren't going to buy Beats. Um, if you were serious about it, like they were good sounding. But if you're really trying to do like mixing and stuff like that, you, you Sennheiser. Yeah, Sennheiser. There's a thousand other ones that you wouldn't even recognize because they're just only for that. Like that's what they're yeah. known for. It's like it's like uh, like color accurate monitors. It's like it's it's exactly like that because a color accurate monitor. It's not good looking, and it's really expensive, and it's good for a very specific use case. And other than that, they just kind of stink. Like it's got like five millisecond pixel response time, and uh, I you find know. it. But it's like strange now. I was uh, like watching like videos now. A ton of like the new gaming monitors are like IPS, which is like pretty good color. And I find that like really surprising that they like actually like. So now they're able to effectively fold all the things you want in at a high refresh rate, high you know high pixel density. Yeah, it's, it's got obviously not good the best brightness. It's, it's got great. Good. Most of them have actually pretty good. Most of them have Delta E's under you know ninety seven percent or whatever it is, under three or whatever, whatever the human eye can see. I forget what it is. Uh, most of them have Delta E's where your average person isn't gonna be able to notice. And yeah, if you're really doing color accurate work and you're a photo editor. You know, for a living, you're going to get a color accurate monitor that has a perfect. You know that because the other thing is that 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 rating is it's usually not from the factory. It's like a selected model that they'll tune and then they'll say, "All right, this is what this panel is capable of." Yeah, you know, yeah. If you tune this for color accuracy. This is the best case. It's a best case scenario thing. Is that's what it is. Yeah. But like like real color accurate monitors will actually have special. Tuning so, device yeah, that to do make it. they'll have calibrations, yeah, um, both from the factory and there'll be calibration tools to get the correct. I color. have like the LG Ultra Fine, but like I don't think I think that one's like pretty good at like uh, color, but I I'm like is. I'm only able to calibrate it through the software, so it's not like the best. Like they have external tools that you can plug in. Yeah, they'll. Uh, it's they're pretty neat. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, and the other the other fun thing about color accuracy is it actually depends on what type of color accuracy. Like, there, are, I forget whether it's specific like tone, like shades. Like, it, it, there's you know, depending on what shade it is, it's going to be more or less accurate to the human eye or something like it. There's what I'm trying to. I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about. If you can't tell, what I'm trying to say is it's not really like a one size fits all thing. Where if it's there's you know, it's not just oh, it's color accurate or it's. It's not color accurate, you know. It it sort of depends on what the workload is. Um, yeah, that's all. That's all I have to talk about. All right. Um, next up, uh, let's see. Um, sorry, I know you're you're looking uh, this one. Um, so next up, Apple is reportedly developing a magnetic battery pack for the iPhone. This is actually pretty interesting. I know it's probably going to be expensive, um, but with the new MagSafe on the new iPhones, um, I could see this actually be being like pretty interesting because like uh, if you're going on a trip or you know you're going for a long day somewhere, um, if you're going to like a sports game or something like that, those usually take all day and I know I've gone and my phone batteries died um, you don't like to lug around the big like battery packs and so this will basically just magnetize uh, onto the back I think it's basically gonna be like a wireless charger um, but it will communicate through MagSafe so I thought that was uh, that is interesting um, here's the thing is I worry Apple don't get me wrong there's a market for this uh, there most certainly is I would pay $125 if it has the right capacity and form factor. Yeah, that's, that's what I, I think that's it's what not going to have an, I think it's not going to have enough capacity. I think they're going to charge $100 if I had to guess to 120. I probably so, pay like $80 for it. I mean, I that was that was what I said I would pay with Apple tax. Oh, 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 with Apple tax? I yeah, 120. No, no, I think it's probably worth Sixty dollars in 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 practicality, but I mean, it's Apple. So here's the, here's the thing, Apple, is that I worry you're going to try and market it as, oh, your, your one and only device, you know, the only important device that you own needs battery. Here, this is this perfect battery bank. When in reality, if I'm going on a trip, if I'm going on vacation, I'm going on a, you know, a flight. Remember when we used to do that? Remember when we used to go on airplanes? I would bring a dedicated That's battery true. pack for my headphones, my phone, my tablet, my the pager, whatever, like <laughs> whatever small. Do you, want to, my, do you want to explain yeah, to the? Smartwatch? Do you want to explain to the viewers what a pager is? They don't need to know that. <laughs> uh, uh, my smartwatch, you know, whatever sort of you can't really charge a laptop off of it, but whatever sort of small device I have, I would want something that I can plug in a USB cord because some of them might be micro B or Lightning or USB C. You know, there's multiple different standards. Uh, and as much as Apple, Apple desperately wants me to stay inside their ecosystem, that's just not feasible. Um, you know, not everybody's devices are going to be. I don't think. It, yeah, I don't think it would be, be used. Uh, I think it would. I think it would be. Maybe it would be good for a trip because you would use that as an extra add-on, so you wouldn't need to charge that with your. Um, it wouldn't be. Battery I'm, bank. I'm getting to the use case for it. I'm just trying to tell Apple what they should not market it as. The use case, and I can give you a perfect example right here is uh, a, a couple days ago I went skiing and in the cold one's phone battery drains much quicker and I don't have my smartwatch I don't have my tablet with me I just want a phone that's charged perfect if you can keep the form factor down exactly. that's literally yeah, you can fit that in your pocket fit it in your pocket all I need is a little little top up just a little slap on if I need to you know Text somebody, or you know, call somebody who I've uh, lost on the mountain, or, or I could tell them, all right, we're gonna meet up at the lodge, or you know, whatever. Just a little bit of juice when you need it. So another thing um, about like something like that is, um, I think I don't know uh, if they. My guess is they would do this. I don't know if this would work, um, but because it's MagSafe, I don't know if they're able to do something. My guess is with the iPhones that'll make it charge faster than. Um, if it were just regularly wireless charging, um, my guess is they probably are limiting the how fast your phone charges. And I think maybe with this MagSafe battery, you might be able to charge it faster. Because I know on the wireless chargers, like with the MagSafe one, I think you can charge faster than with um, regular wireless chargers. Probably. Because here's the thing, is that uh, we talked about this before when we talked about MagSafe, but with you know your average everyday wireless charger, if it's... There's a, there's a precise point that is 
optimized for the least resistance, i.e. the least amount of passive heat that's going to be generated because it's not directly plugged in, it's going through materials. You'll notice this if you ever have like just sort of thrown your phone on your wireless charger and walked away and come back. If it wasn't lined up correctly, you, you can actually pick up your phone and touch either the back or the charging pad. It'll be it'll be hot to the touch because it didn't have the correct you know it's, usually it's distance when it comes to wireless charging. It's it was too far away. From, you know the phone, the the wireless charging receptor is over here, and the you know the 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 emitter is over here, and so there's a greater distance than if they were right on top of each other, so it, i.e., would create more resistance and heat. With MagSafe, the idea is because it's all magnetized, it can align itself perfectly, perfectly. every time. Yeah. And so you don't have to sort of, you don't have to put a, a, a artificial cap on that to make sure you don't accidentally start, start a fire, you know? So, yeah, it, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you could charge it at the, at the same rate that MagSafe can. Um, it, it's up to Apple how far they want to push that because, um, you know, wireless charging is great. I use it a lot. At the end of the day, it's it's not still not good. comparable yeah. to directly plugging it. Yeah. Um, so one of the issues though with this, um, which I think is going to be interesting to see what they do, is depending on the capacity, those things can get pretty heavy. So those magnets have to be like relatively strong to like hold it and i know the magsafe ones now are definitely not as strong as people would have hoped um so that may affect how big the capacity so, here's the thing i'm i'm convinced that they made the magsafe i mean remember remember the reason for the original magsafe why it was magnetic instead of oh that is true pressure fit yeah because if you strip over, over computer it. cords it's yeah. not going to yank your computer onto the floor and smash it that's true. I'm convinced it's probably a similar rationale. I think because you don't have to worry about, because there's no other wire coming off of it, essentially, there's no reason they couldn't make those magnets stronger. Um, I don't know how heavy it's going to be. I don't know what the capacity is like. Apple, I, I, you know, you have to get the right capacity weight form factor, and you'd have to market it right. But I think if you can get that right, it's something even I, the Apple hater, would be willing to pay for uh it's also really this just because of my love of skiing though I, I honestly my my personal life I, I can't think of another major use case for when i would use it but it is perfect for skiing yeah um yeah the, the so the only thing with this though is like i mean i get through a day completely fine on a, like mm -hmm. a single charge so like I, I would really only use this if i was going for a long day trip or i knew i was going to be using my phone a lot um but i could definitely see this being a case so like sometimes i'll use my phone like in uh, a stream i did like a couple days ago um i use my phone as a camera and so and i was moving it around and so if i have a cord coming off of that i didn't but it, like when I was done streaming, my phone battery was pretty low because that takes a lot out of it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I had the battery, if I had the battery like on that and it was charging the whole time, I could definitely see that being a use case um, for me. Sure. Uh, the other thing I can think of is like um, if you're on vacation somewhere picturesque and you're taking yeah. pictures and videos and all the sorts of things, especially if it's like a multi-day vacation and you forget to charge one night, like you know, it's the other thing is it's it's a peace of mind thing to have a battery pack for me um where you know if i forgot to charge my phone or i'm far away and i can't you know there's not a good place for me to, to plug in and charge up and my phone's at 10 percent and i gotta call somebody in a half now you know like there is like a use definitely a uh like just uh if i completely forget at least i have this thing where i can make a call like there, there is a peace of mind thing to that because our phones are so yes yeah. now yeah, um, so just having it there to, like... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't... It's not bad enough where I carry a battery pack with me wherever I go. I don't... I used to have a battery case, which I actually did, like... Um, yeah, I used to have one of those. They're just so bulky. It was bulky. Thing. I I enjoyed it, though, because it would, ex you know, extend my battery and extend the, the life of it. It was an old iPhone 5. Yeah, um, those Mophie cases. Mophie, yeah. Yeah, those are the best. Those were great. Yeah. They were great. Um, yeah, so apparently this was found in the iOS 14.5 beta, uh, like, sort I don't know, source code, but, like, in the, the code for it, um, which yeah, has yeah. apparently since been, uh, removed. 
Alright, uh, so next up, um, don't know if anyone's into cameras, um, but as you saw, I don't know if you guys saw my video, uh, which was my unboxing of my Blackmagic Pocket Cinema camera for today. Have they fixed Blackmagic RAW's soft, like, have they fixed that yet? No, not yet. Um, and don't get Blackmagic. I, I mean, but it shoots ProRes, so, like, I'm... Oh, this one shoots ProRes? They all shoot ProRes. Like, I shoot Not ProRes. all of them. I shoot ProRes. No, uh, not ProRes RAW, but ProRes. Yeah, 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 but, like, the the issue is with Blackmagic RAWs. Yeah, there, is that was it. Yeah, is that you have Blackmagic to... Blackmagic RAW is terrible. You have to use the software. The, unless you use DaVinci Resolve. Unless you use DaVinci Resolve. Oh, right. Like, there for a free, free video editor yeah. is packed with features and... Exactly. Fairly user-friendly. Yeah, as, and it also... Not as user-friendly as a, a video editor can get. It, and it also comes with a free license to the entirety of DaVinci Resolve Studio, which is, like, yeah. over $200, like, already, yeah. like, coming with the camera. So, um, to be fair, it's pretty... Yeah. DaVinci Resolve is pretty legit. I just don't like that they lock you down to that. That's the only thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there is... Well, there is a, that's a very Apple move where they want to... They just want you to stay in their ecosystem so yeah. they can jack prices on stuff. There, there is... Uh, in, you can actually, if you... You take the footage and you import it to... Um, DaVinci Resolve, you can export it as, like, I think it, you would export it as, like, ProRes or H.264. Uh, I don't know. You would export it in the Final Cut format, and then you can import it, edit your video, but instead of uh, exporting it directly from Final Cut, you can export the timeline as a XML, is what it says, and oh, you can yeah. actually open it back up in DaVinci Resolve and then just export it from there. Uh, then you can color correct everything. Or you can actually also color correct everything first, I believe. And then you can bring it back to DaVinci Resolve and then export it uh, from there. Thanks it's a little bit more of a hassle. It's a little bit more of a hassle. Um, so I'm hoping someone creates a plugin. I know there's a plugin for Premiere, a plugin. For Premiere that someone else created. Um, so that's a third party. Yeah. And it's like 30-something. I think it's like 35 bucks a month. Yeah, it's not that expensive. So hopefully someone makes one for Final Cut, because I would definitely use that, because ProRes files are really big. I just wish this shot ProRes raw. But anyway, uh, so anyway, so yeah, so uh, new Blackmagic uh, Pocket Cinema Camera Pro 6K just came out, and so now it has, um, it has a tilt screen, so you can, like, pop it out a little bit, and then it, like, tilts, um, which it can come in... Uh, handy a lot. I, I'm I'm glad they didn't put out like a flip out screen um, just because this camera isn't like a vlogging camera. Mm -hmm. um, and then they also added a viewfinder um, above that as well so you can like uh, press your eye to it. Um, other than that I don't think the the camera changed that much. It says this is an OLED. Uh, the It's an OLED uh, electronic viewfinder. Um, that makes sense. Oh wait, wait, no, hold on. Um, it's optional. Oh, optional $500 OLED electronic viewfinder. Yeah, um, but the sc actual screen is also uh, 1500 nits, um, which is brighter than, than most, so that, that's pretty cool. Um, so there are there are now built-in ND filters, which can come in handy a lot if you shoot outside. Um, and so the camera has four built-in um, ones. Uh, yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, so they now throw in an extra mini XLR jack. So I only have one, but now on the this Pro 6K, you now have two, um, which is pretty nice. And uh, Blackmagic does a great job on the camera of you being able to uh, record audio. Like you have two separate channels, um, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, this is a. Wait, hold on. It's so this is an. EF mount. It looks like a thirty uh, super thirty five sensor with a Canon EF mount. So that's that's interesting. Um, but so that's good. Uh, so they just released this, and so the price of it is now uh, two thousand four hundred ninety five, which is about five hundred dollars more than the non pro uh, version. Um, I don't know if that's worth five hundred dollars. I I think I could go for it. Um, but yeah. The camera or the display. The camera. Yeah. I know you're not super into cameras, but I uh, thought that one was a bit interesting. Um, let's see. What's up next? Um, 
Uh, did we talk about this one yet? Let's see this one. No, I haven't. Alright, yeah, we'll do that one and the one below it next. Alright, um, so don't know if anyone saw, um, but in Australia, we talked about this before, uh, that like Google might be uh, leaving Australia and they might be stuck with Bing, um, but also Facebook as well. Um, they wanted them to like pay money to add little blurbs under like links to articles and stuff like that. Um, so apparently Facebook's uh, Australia... Facebook's Australian media ban, uh, apparently they are now taking down official government pages because uh, I think Google's making a deal with them, but Facebook is kind of... Facebook's uh, also... Not, so Facebook is also going to be hit hard by this ban. Uh, the the specific bill that Google was hit hard by is just about like online web stuff. Like It was targeting Google, but Facebook would essentially get caught in the crossfire, is essentially... Uh, what was going to happen so it's not like facebook i i don't think it's that facebook is strictly just striking a deal with google to team up on australia uh, i think they actually would have faced some ill effects um yeah uh, so i think everybody kind of stinks in this situation i think we, we talked about this before when we were talking about google i think i think australia I did kind of mess up with that bill. I don't think it's a wise course of action, and I don't think it was warranted. Um, obviously, I don't live in Australia, so it's not really my say. But uh, you don't have to deal to, with Bing. To be fair, we all use Google, which is what they were talking about. Um, and in my experience with Google, those blurbs don't give away enough of an article for it to warrant having to pay to show yeah, the blurb. Agreed. So. I think that was stupid. On the other hand, and and you know this this Facebook taking down official government pages. Well, yeah, if they it's their private businesses. If they say we don't want to serve you, they don't have to. That's yeah. their right uh, in any location. I mean, but better. this is like so, a huge deal because that a lot of times so, uh, it says they're <laughs> using these pages to like give people like, exactly. information. So that's the thing, is that, especially during this COVID crisis, is that these official government pages are how most people are getting their news about vaccine rollout and what the current case numbers are today and how, what, you know, how, how high is, uh, COVID, how, how many COVID cases are in your area? What's the, what's the news? Especially because of COVID, it's, I think it's a little too far. Um, yeah. Facebook. Like I said, I think everybody stinks here. There's a, certainly a case to be made that says from Facebook that says, "Hey, we don't have to serve you, and it's not, it's not wise for us to continue serving in this country, giving well, you." Well, so basically, telling them that they have to pay. Money exactly. To, like, yeah. But like, so, so like, why would they do that? It's totally fair for Facebook to say that. On the other hand, it's a little hard. What I think Facebook should have done, and this I don't think is legal. I think it would be considered blackmail. Uh, specifically like quid pro quo because I would from Facebook I would say look we are not uh, so he, there's a I think they could have made a deal like it didn't have to be blackmail they could so have just said we'll come to an agreement where we will show your government pages but like you're not going to make us pay for that stuff so here's the issue is that the only way to avoid it would be if you don't make it specifically like if this then that so you can't say like well if you don't make us pay then we will continue showing your pages that would be considered blackmail yeah. um but they could say hey from facebook hey we just want to let you guys know you know should this should this bill a law uh, should this bill become a law our current business plan is to remove our services from your country we noticed a lot of your critical information is on these pages uh, you know if you guys really feel this way if you really want this law to be approved we recommend you start preparing and shifting over your i think there's a way to say hey look if you guys you know i don't think you've really thought this through how much you use our services it, from our perspective it's not advantageous to continue providing our services in this country therefore be prepared to lose this stuff uh you know sending out something along that lines and giving them 
essentially a time, uh, you know, from when this law is enacted or from when you are going to make us pay, essentially. Or, or if it already has been, say, all right, we're not going to provide any other news stories other than these specific government pages for the next six months, and then after that we're going to be removing everything entirely. You know, give them some sort of time frame to swap over so that your average civilian doesn't suffer. Is really what yeah, I agree. If the government takes a hit, this is their problem, you know. But if your average civilian is now the, the you know, they they can't get the information that's necessary for their safety, then that's a little. Then you've gone too far. Um, I think that's what it comes down to. But like I said, everybody kind of stinks here. Yep. Uh, I just saw a chat that just said, uh, asked if we did the Linux on Mars discussion. Uh, yes, yeah, this, this was the first uh, topic of this episode. So, yeah, if you want to go check it out. It was good. Linux, Linux made it to Mars before people. Yay. Go Linux. And Windows and Mac, proving once and for all that Linux is superior to all other operating systems. True, true, true. Uh, I can't believe are we moving on to the next article? No, sorry, go ahead. I was just asking if we moved on to the next article. Oh, oh no. I can't believe we haven't covered this yet. I feel like this was out last week. Yeah. Um, so, apparently, uh, NZXT's uh, H1PC case uh, has finally gotten recalled after the uh, whole catching on fire thing. Uh, for the record, this isn't like a little like, oh, some cases were catching on fire and people are mad. And No, this is like legitimately a threat. If you own one of these cases, give it back and get a refund and get something good because it is like a legitimate... Steve from Gamers Nexus was able to reproduce this like quite quickly. <laughs> with and what, Steve, I consider, and, and what I would consider reasonable levels of awareness... Uh, you know, because he's, here's the he's thing. tech Jesus. So he's tech Jesus. Because here's the thing: most of these malfunctions are going to be caused by somebody either not experienced or not paying attention and over tightening a, a specific screw. Steve is well versed in uh, in tech, and he knows the the consequences that can come from over tightening a screw. Uh, and so, to be fair, he does coax it along a little to show what might happen. He wasn't that much, and he was able to get results on like his first or second try. So it's yeah. clearly a, was a pretty, uh, pretty big deal. So basically, if you don't know what happened, the H1 case is uh, it's vertical. It has a fairly small form factor. It kind of so looks it, like the Xbox Series X. It kind of looks like the Series X. So the way NZXT gets around this is by using what's called a PCI riser cable or, or, or riser bracket, um, which is essentially they take the PCIe slot and they turn it into a cable and they just kind of extend it and loop around now that other side has a screw hole in it and it has a daughter board underneath that screw hole that so if you're not aware with how of how most motherboards are made they have rounding points around where screws are so that it doesn't accidentally bridge or touch a trace that might be carrying a charge so say yeah. so built into motherboards there are little lines that carry electricity whether it be 5 volt or 12 volt 12 volt specifically is the one in question here which is bad because the higher the voltage the higher the resistance um so it was carrying a 12 volt rail right next to the screw hole the screw hole that was not grounded and so if you over tighten the screw there was a chance that this what? metallic screw, this conductive screw, was going to touch a 12-volt rail, yeah. possibly causing a short, or causing that courage to divert into this screw, which would then heat up drastically because of that resistance, and it was touching rubber and, and you know, other electronics that would heat up and possibly, actually not even possibly, could catch fire. Yeah. Um, and so, I think um, th there was a way to fix this. I think so, Two Cents did a video where you yeah, could add, so like, a spacer. You could add a spacer. NZXT eventually sent out... They took they took all the stuff back, and they... Oh, no, no, you had to apply. Yeah. You had to fill out a form that says, Hey, I have an H1 case. I want this replacement. What they did was they replaced that metallic screw with a nylon screw, which... Um, NZXT seemed to know this in late 2020 when it opted to send out nylon plastic screw kits for the H1 owners. The idea being, if you if you accidentally bridge this 12 volt rail because it's nylon, it's not conductive, and so nothing so, yeah, really nothing bad, bad is going to happen. 
the issue is, so, you know, Tech Jesus points this out, is that nylon skirts don't solve, this is a quote from him, nylon uh, never mind, this is not a quote, gotcha day. <laughs> nylon screws, sorry, I saw the quote above it and then I was like, oh, this might be. Uh, nylon screws don't solve the root of the problem. If owners ever decided to switch using a screw in the riser, they'd reintroduce the possibility of a fire. Actually, probably exponentially so, because if you're going to be replacing screws, you're going to be backing out and backing them, uh, and putting them back in, which is more likely to cause that, uh, that bridge into the 12-volt rail that was right next to the screw hole. It kind of stinks for NZXT because they didn't manufacture this PCI riser cable. They probably outsourced it. Actually, they definitely would have outsourced yeah. it. And so it, it sucks that they're taking the blame for what is another company's fault. But but they should have checked this like, when this they were making the case. A, a they very, had plenty of time. Yeah, so all this all this can remind me of is like the 2019 Mac uh, iMac fiasco with the VESA amount. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. That was, yeah, was that the iMac Same Pro? thing. It was... It was the iMac Pro, I think. Yeah, yeah so basically, Snazzy Labs did a video. Snazzy Labs had a whole, yeah. they had a whole series of them. Basically, the thing was Apple outsourced the stand and the vase amount hardware to another company, not Apple. I don't uh, think it was the stand. I think it was just the vase amount, right? Was it just the vase amount? Well, then you put in a new stand and those screws also broke. So whatever hardware they were using for both the stand and the vase amount. Um, okay. It was the screws were the issue, not the vase amount. Yeah, the screws okay, yeah. were very low quality, and the heads would actually snap off of them, and then you couldn't pull the screw out, and therefore you could not take the vase amount off. Same thing. Apple didn't make those screws. They outsourced that to a company, but it's their fault. Yeah, they should have checked it over. Checking it testing, and not testing, testing the it. finished product. Um, so I'm not quite sure how NZXT missed this. Clearly, they must have been just... I mean, I will say, if you're going to be testing a product, most likely it's going to be tested by people who are well-versed in the product, and they know how to tighten the screw. So, uh, and one thing to note is it's not like if you own this case, it will set on fire. There's a half-decent chance, probably it's one in a hundred, that this is going to cause a bridge. And even if it causes a bridge, it's even less likely it's actually going to start a fire. Most likely it'll just spark sporadically or you might not even see it. It might not bridge enough to create enough resistance to even heat it up significantly. There's a chance it'll just kind of sit there slightly hotter than before. Like it, Even if you did accidentally bridge, which is already unlikely, there's a, a half-decent chance nothing would come of it. But there's enough of a chance where NZXT decided to replace the screws, and now they're deciding, I think, to recall the whole case. Yeah. Um, so... A fast track recall the P PC case on February twelfth. Yeah, so they're they're recalling the case. Um, uh, this was it was essentially forced by Consumer Product Safety Commission uh, CPSC, which is a government agency. So the government said, "Hey, look, guys, you got to you got to recall this." They should have done that anyway. They shouldn't have had. Well, it says to be fair, it says Gamers Nexus worth worked with NZXC and Consumer Product Safety Commission. A government agency which issued a fast track recall to PCK. So it sounds like uh, NZXT was involved in helping, but yeah, they should have. I think, uh, I think oh, this was definitely a problem like a while ago, though, because I feel like Jay did his video like a month ago on like fixing it. Well, this case came out a while. This case, yeah, came so out, I think like, this was. The, I think it was ago. this. This article was just about the the recall. It was um, just about the recall. But yeah, like I said, this this th this case, I remember seeing it and being like, hey, that's a neat case. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. And then I was like, well, I want a little more space. It's, it would look a little small on my desk. Like, I, I considered buying it, and so clearly... With your it's, ITX board, you could actually do that if you wanted to just buy this case. I could, but that ITX board, it's not worth... It's not worth getting a whole new, brand new case for it. Like, sure. I, actually, this ITX board is in a, another NZXT product. I have the H510, uh, which is a great case. It is Love a great it. case. It looks so cool. I love NZXT's design, and and oh normally, have you seen their motherboards? This their motherboard is nothing. Nothing, it's nothing on one. It. It's just nothing literally on one motherboard. They only have Intel motherboards. Otherwise, I actually would have considered that for an AMD build. It's My just the, no, but there's literally nothing on it. Like it's just a, a like a gray, and that's it. It's crazy. Which one are you talking about? I'm talking about. They only. I think they only have one motherboard. The one that I well, the one I'm thinking about, they have like w like this really cool looking like white shielding all, or or black or whatever. They have this really cool shielding on it. There was a uh, motherboard. Yeah, they only have one. It's the N7 uh, Z490 gaming motherboard with Wi-Fi and cam features. Oh, this was a while ago, so it's probably not the. 
it might be the same. I don't think they've come out with a new one. Just they only have one motherboard. It's going Wait, for Z490. Z490 is the Z490. Yeah, that's the new stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think we're talking about the same thing, but it's not just a. It's not just the PCB. It has this really cool. I I think it looks great. Uh, protective shielding over it, um, which I think it creates a very cool design. It's very clean, very minimalistic. I think this is about as close to Apple as you can get in the PC world. Um, just that design language of like being, you know, very simple yet elegant. I think they look great. I just uh, you can get it in matte white or matte black. Um, if you're doing an NZXT build. I will say the white stuff looks great. They have some really good. I'll also find work. a picture. I swear they had one where it, there was like I looked it up one time and they it, there was literally nothing like on it. Like it was like there was like you it was like all like everything was painted like dark gray. I don't know. That's pretty cool. I don't know. All right, uh, I think that'll wrap up the episode since it's been a little over an hour. Uh, so thank you to everybody that is watching. Make sure to check out our forum at thetechprofessor.net and follow us. Uh, follow me on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at thetechprofjb. And also click that little blue join button for exclusive content uh, to, and to help support the channel. Uh, and I'm Jake, the Tech Professor, and I'll catch you guys in the next one.